0: This is a re-recording of the sermon delivered on Ash Wednesday at First United Methodist Church. There are two scriptures that we're reading today. The verse comes from Psalm chapter 51. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin." Because I know my wrongdoings, my sin is always right in front of me. I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. That's why you are justified when you render your verdict, completely correct when you issue your judgment. Yes, I was born in guilt in sin from the moment my mother conceived me. And yes, you want the truth in most hidden places. You teach me wisdom in the most secret space. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and celebration again. Let the bones you crushed rejoice once more. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilty deeds. Create a clean heart for me, God. Put a new, faithful spirit deep inside me. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways, and sinners will come back to you. Deliver me from violence, God, God of my salvation, so that my tongue can sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my mouth lips, and my mouth will proclaim your praise. You don't want sacrifices. If I gave an entirely burned offering, you wouldn't be pleased. A broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. You won't despise a heart, God, that is broken and crushed. Do good things for Zion by your favor, rebuild Jerusalem's walls, then you again will want sacrifices of righteousness, entirely burned offerings, and complete offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. The second reading comes from the book of Second Samuel chapter twelve, verses one through thirteen. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When Nathan arrived, he said, there were two men in the same city, one rich and one poor. The rich man had a lot of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing, just one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised that lamb, and it grew up with him and his children. It would eat from his food and drink from his cup, even sleep in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to visit the rich man, but he wasn't willing to take anything from his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had arrived. Instead, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the visitor. David got very angry at this man, and he said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the one who did this is demonic. He must restore the ewe lamb seven times over because he did this and because he had no compassion. You are that man, Nathan told David. This is what the Lord God of Israel says I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from Saul's power. I gave you your master's house to you. I gave his wives into your embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that was too little, I would have given even more. Why have you despised the Lord's word by doing what is evil in his eyes? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. And taken his wife as your own. You used the Ammonites to kill him, and because of that, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own, the sword will never leave your own house. This is what the Lord says, I am making trouble come against you from inside your own family. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives away and give them to your friend, and he will have sex with your wives in broad daylight. You did what you did secretly, but I will do what I am doing before all Israel in the light of day. I've sinned against the Lord, David said to Nathan. The Lord has removed your sin, Nathan replied to David. You won't die. Friends, today is Ash Wednesday, the day we have placed ashes on our heads and the days that we hear and and remember the words where we say remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Today we are reminded that we are in the same position as Adam and Eve, the position of being mortals. In addition today of reminding us of our mortality, today we are also reminded that it is out of the very dust that we were created as God took Adam and Eve and formed them in his hands and made them into his likeness and breathed into them the breath of him, he's also done that for us. He has breathed into us the very breath of God. And he has promised us his life, a life we can share through his son Jesus Christ. And so today we receive the ashes in the shape of the cross to remind us that even in the midst of death we are promised life. And so throughout this season of Lent, I want to invite you into a journey where we will be looking at different individuals from the Bible whose lives were transformed by the grace of God, by grace that's amazing, by grace that's undeserved, by grace that is God's. And so tonight we begin by looking at David, the humble shepherd who later turned king, who who desired and required God's grace and God's forgiveness, as we have read in Psalm 51. David's story begins in 1 Samuel, where he lived in Bethlehem with his father Jesse. David was the youngest son of Jesse, and the Bible tells us that David was humble before the Lord. He knew that everything that he had had been given to and had come from God. And so the Gospels compare Jesus to David, both men coming from humble beginnings, both men demonstrating great humility, and both men, having the heart of God himself, although we know Jesus would have been God, so his heart was the same, but the Bible specifically tells us that David had a heart like God himself. However, we remember it's in Jesus that we receive the grace of God. First Samuel tells us a story of a man named Saul, who was the first king over Israel. Saul lacked in humility, and he fell out of favor with God. And so God sent the prophet Samuel to find and to anoint another man to be the king over Israel. Samuel was afraid of the mission that God had placed over him. He was afraid that Saul would hear of him anointing another king, and the result of that would end up with Samuel being killed. So God told him this, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem. He had a heifer with him. He visited the home of Jesse, and there he had Jesse gather his sons to join him in the sacrifice to God. As Samuel saw each son of Jesse come, he thought to himself, this is the one." But with each son approaching and then passing, God did not tell Samuel that he was the one. It was only until all of the sons that were present there had passed that Samuel asked Jesse if there was another son, and Jesse mentioned that David, who was the youngest son, was keeping the flocks in the fields. Samuel requested that David be brought before him, and as David approached, God told Samuel that David was the one and to anoint his head with oil, because the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so David was anointed with oil by Samuel before his father and all of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. God chose this humble shepherd to be, the Israel, to be the new king over Israel, a man who had, had God's own heart, who could unite the people of Israel while also defeating the Philistines. But there was a hitch, because Saul was still king. And the scripture tells us, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. To try and help him, Saul's servants asked him to let them find someone skilled in playing the harp to provide relief of some sort when the spirit tormented Saul. Saul acquiesced, and his servants told of a young man from Bethlehem, a son of Jesse, who could play the harp. Saul sent for him with the hope that David's playing would calm his heart and his mind, and David, through his music, brought comfort to Saul's spirit. But as David remained close to Saul, he also grew into God's favor. Saul did not know, if you remember, that David had been anointed to be his successor. Saul, I'm sure, assumed, as many in Israel did, that his own son Jonathan would follow him as the king of Israel. And so as Saul faced different enemies and even his own personal issues, David became one of his leading generals while also being able to help relieve him of his suffering. With five stones and a sling, David slew the giant Goliath. In leading the army of Israel, the people celebrated David's military might by crying out that Saul had slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David's victories in the adulation of Israel only fueled Saul's growing jealousy, and David became a fugitive as Saul attempted to kill him, and had his soldiers pursue David and his merry men through the wilderness. As David fled into the wilderness, God protected him. God provided food for him and his soldiers. David lived in grace and in humble response to God, even going as far as to care for the life of Saul, sparing his life when Saul entered the cave that he was hiding in to go to the bathroom. David knew that he could have killed Saul, but he also knew that God's grace was greater than even any animosity that he could have against this king. David knew that Saul was anointed by God and that he could not and would not be the one to strike and kill the one that God had already chosen himself. And so when Saul fell in battle to the Philistines, along with his son Jonathan, David would lead the cries for both of these men. One had been like a father to him, the other was a brother to him. And he became the king of Israel and entered the city of Jerusalem. Bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city, dancing before the Ark as it entered, wanting to build a temple to house the Ark in Jerusalem, but God told him that he had other plans for him where the prophet Nathan told David, You shall not build me a house to live in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought Israel to this very day, but I have lived in a tent and a tabernacle. Not therefore thus you you shall say to my servant David, This says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went. I will make your name great, like the name of great ones of the earth. Humbled by God, David prayed, Who am I, O God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Because of your promise, and according to your own heart, you have brought all this greatness, so that your servant may know it. Therefore, you are great, for there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And so, David honored God. And did his will until he got older. And Second Samuel tells us, in the time of spring when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. The writers of Samuel are giving us a hint of what's about to happen. As in the time of spring when kings go off the war, David stayed home. And he was idle because his soldiers were gone, and everything was not, nothing was happening. And so he stayed on his rooftop, and he saw a beautiful woman bathing, and he summoned her and laid with her, and she conceived. And to make matters worse, David had her husband brought back, who is named in this story Uriah the Hittite hoping that Uriah would visit his wife, hoping that he would visit her and spend the night and that the child in her womb would be believed to have been belonged to him. But what David did not anticipate was Uriah's loyalty to his fellow soldiers, who were still on the front line. Uriah did not return home to visit his wife or to sleep in his own bed. So David came up with a more devious plan returning Uriah to the front lines with secret instructions to have him placed in the hottest area of battle and abandoned so that he would be slain and David could take his wife to be his own. It was then that we read our scripture tonight. A parable from the prophet Nathan about a poor man with one lamb and a wealthy man who had a large flocks and herds, but a wealthy man who took the one lamb from the poor lamb in order to throw a feast rather than to kill one animal in his own flock. Understandably, David was infuriated to hear this injustice until Nathan pointed out to him that he was the king that stole the lamb. Nathan pointed out how David had sinned against God, even as God had provided so many blessings that he had already received. And David's response was the response that God desires of all of us. It's the words that we've read tonight in Psalm 51. It's engaging in the same action that we participate in as we enter the season of Lent. As David humbled himself before God and as he repented. Saying, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Friends, it ties into our story. And into this night, because David was far from a perfect man. But his response when his sins were pointed out was about as perfect as he could get. He repented. He repented and knew the darkness of his sin. He repented and knew that in humility he needed to confess his sins, so he did. And even in his sorrow and even in his remorse, He experienced the deep and abiding forgiveness, mercy, and grace of God. David experienced the same undeserved grace of God that you and I share. It's this same undeserved grace that allows us to journey to the cross through the season of Lent, to experience the forgiveness that God has offered us, and like David, To approach God with humility and with repentance. So tonight and this Lent, I invite you to ponder the grace of God offered to you through the cross of salvation. Lent is a time for us to examine ourselves and the lives that we live. Lent means taking a hard look at our sins while humbly grasping the amazing grace that we experience and receive through Jesus Christ. Jesus can create in us a clean heart. Jesus is the one who creates a right spirit within us. And it is Jesus who brings us closer to God and to each other as we receive new life from him. And so in humility, we receive the ashes. In humility, we hear the words, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return.